Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 220 of the podcast. This sweeping America. The Air Torres Sports Podcast. Uh, great show today. We'll get to all that in a minute. Quickly, I did want to thank everybody for your patience with Monday's episode. I know it was completely different than anything, frankly, that I've ever really done on this show before. But as I said at the time, it really felt like on Sunday night when I recorded into Monday, there was really only one story going on in sports that anybody wanted to talk about. It was bigger than sports. It it touched every kind of element of our society. And it was obviously an incredibly sad story with the passing of Kobe Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, and of course the seven other people that perished in that helicopter crash. It just did not feel like the time to overanalyze and break down a Texas Tech-Kentucky game or a Baylor-Florida game, and I appreciate your guys' patience. I know some of you just decided to skip that episode. I get it. I know it's nothing personal, but for those of you, and most of you did, uh, that you, most of the people that usually listen to this show did, in fact, continue to download it, so I appreciate your patience, and we are back to normal today, baby. So again, uh, you know, we our thoughts and prayers are obviously with Kobe Bryant, with his family, or excuse me, with Kobe Bryant's family, but we do in fact have to move on and talk some sports and we got a lot to talk about today so wild episode today so I am going to start with the traditional college basketball stuff biggest story to me is Florida's continued free fall under Mike White I have labeled him the Shaka Smart of the Deep South. I think it is very applicable. I think it's very catchy, too, neither here nor there. But I'm going to talk about Florida. I will also talk about another disaster of an SEC team, Georgia. And really, basically, Georgia's just getting what they paid for with Tom Crean. We all saw this coming. They decided not to see the warning signs. And now Georgia is 11-9, in the SEC. I will kind of wrap the college hoop segment uh, with mid-year transfers. So I want to talk a little bit about Khalil Whitney. And then also um, there was a kid named Kobe King from Wisconsin uh, who actually elected to transfer, uh, I guess, on Wednesday. And it was another big story. It was another kid who, in Wisconsin's case, he was actually playing meaningful minutes for them. He leaves the team. I, I It's a trend I don't really like, but we'll get into all of that. Then on the back end, I got a wild interview for you guys. So it is obviously Super Bowl week. And I am going to have on the back end, this is a great guest, Jalen Smith, the Pro Bowl linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, is joining the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Long story short, I have a couple PR friends in Miami for the Super Bowl, and I said, look... If any of these people you're working with, any of these famous football players, if you want to put them on the phone with me for 10 minutes in between interviews, because these guys obviously do all sorts of interviews during Super Bowl week, I said, put them on the phone with me. I don't care. I'll hang around all day. I'll wait for them. So I got Jalen Smith. It was a quick 10-minute interview, but we covered a lot of ground. He was, of course, the player that got hurt for Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl that basically spurred so many of these players to now skip bowl games. He basically called it the Jalen Smith rule. We talked about that. Did he have any regrets? His bigger picture thoughts on Notre Dame. Will Notre Dame win a national championship in our lifetime? He also had some kind of wild comments on the new uh, Dallas Cowboys coach, Mike McCarthy, which kind of were surprising in terms of his communication with him. So I encourage you to stick around. Uh, and I may have another football guest for Sunday's show, so we'll wait and see on that. Last scheduling note. I know this is a lot to throw at you at the top of the show. I want to make one quick little announcement, though. 
next week. So I'm going to do the normal show on Sunday, next week, midweek. So the Wednesday show next week, I will actually be traveling. It will not be a normal show. I won't have my equipment with me. And so I will still do a show though. And this is actually really cool. So season five of Narcos is coming out. Okay. And I'm a huge Narcos guy. If you haven't seen it, it's basically about, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a show about the pursuit of these big time drug dealers. And season one and two of Narcos was about the pursuit of Pablo Escobar. And it follows two DEA agents. It, it's a it's kind of a, a live action show, but the two DEA agents, Javier Pena and Stephen Murphy, kind of they tell their story of how they captured Pablo Escobar. Okay. Well, the real life Stephen Murphy and Javier Pena have a book out about capturing Pablo Escobar, and I got them on the phone this week, and I will run that interview next week. It is one of the craziest, wildest interviews that I have ever done. Uh, It works out perfectly because it'll come in that lull when I'll be traveling and I wouldn't be able to do another show, but if you like Narcos, if you don't like Narcos, if you like history, these are the two men from the U.S. side that were in charge of capturing Pablo Escobar. They joined the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast to tell the true story. So that interview will run next Wednesday. Just want you to be prepared. It's completely different. I will say to anybody who listens to this show with children in the car or with children around, there is some pretty graphic conversation. So I would encourage you, if you have kids, this might be one where <laughs> make sure they're out of the car, make sure they're out of the room, whatever, when you play this one. It is an awesome interview, though. Uh, This incredible historic deal they were a part of. And of course, uh, they now talk to me for 45 minutes about it. So it's going to be a great couple episodes of shows. By the way, after Jalen Smith today, I will uh, I will kind of just wrap with maybe a minute or two on the Super Bowl. Anyway, before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, wherever you listen to your shows. Rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. So many of you have been so great about this. Uh, I am still getting comments about Nick Coffee. Listen, anytime I can get Nick on, I will. Uh, he's an incredible friend, and I'm incredibly lucky to have him, but he's traveling with the Louisville team, and it's hard to kind of track him down. So whenever I can get Nick, I will. But if you don't mind, rate and review the show. Uh, give us a quick five stars. Also, make sure you're following on Instagram. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. My college hoops picks are back, baby. And finally, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com if you want to send in any questions. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. All right, way too long of an intro. I want to get into it. The next few shows are going to be awesome, but I do want to talk tonight about college hoops. And I do feel like the last day or so, it's been not really a crazy kind of storyline type week, right? Last week we had Kansas and the can the Kansas Kansas State brawl. We had uh, you know Shaka Smart going all Shaka Smart. Don't feel like there's a ton. Listen, I'm not going to overanalyze Kentucky struggling against Vanderbilt for 30 minutes. Bottom line is, listen, teams are going to have ebbs and flows over the course of the season. I don't think it's a big deal. Shout out to Nick Richards, who's awesome for carrying that team when they needed him. Same with like a Seton Hall, which wasn't great. Um, Duke, you know, the Duke thing with Mike Krzyzewski, I wish I had like a funny take on it. I just thought it was weird when he started yelling at the fans for, uh, you know, Jeff Capel with the whole deal with Jeff Capel. Um, I just thought that was weird. So I don't really have like a Duke take. So I, I, what, what I am passionate about today is this, is your boy, Mike White, your boy, Mike White at Florida, uh, is a complete disaster. And so I want to open with Florida. Because for people uh, who love college basketball, you saw that on Tuesday night, Florida, which was already coming off two losses, played at home against Mississippi State, uh, took a 16-point lead in the second half, completely blew it, and lost by seven to the Mississippi State Bulldogs in Gainesville. Now, very quickly, we should shout out Mississippi State, who's actually playing pretty good basketball, 5-2 and two in their last seven. The two losses were by one point each to Oklahoma and LSU. But the real story is Florida, which with this loss has now dropped to 12-8 and eight overall. And it's not as though they're all good losses either. 12-8 and eight with losses to Mizzou by almost 20, 
to Utah State on a neutral court. Utah State is in a complete free fall. They were uh, ranked pretty good in the preseason. Lost to my UConn Huskies. Hate to say it, that's a terrible loss. And now this home loss to Mississippi State to drop their third in a row. They are now 12-8, and 4-3 and three in the SEC. And I can definitively say two things about the University of Florida basketball, uh, and that's this. One, they are the most disappointing team in college basketball this year. Memphis has not lived up to expectations. Louisville has had ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. Michigan State has had peaks and valleys. Kentucky lost to uh, Evansville early, but they bounced back. Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin, and they bounced back. Uh, but Florida's just been pretty much embarrassing the entire year. And so they are the most disappointing team in college basketball. And I would also add this. I think it's time to admit something. I think it's time to admit that, as I've said in the past, Mike White is officially Shaka Smart of the Deep South. And what I mean by that is this. It's that we completely overrated this guy as a half-decent to good college basketball coach because he had one good NCAA tournament run, just like Shaka Smart at VCU. Uh, Mike White makes one great run. We think he's great, uh, and he's not, and he's not, and he's not. And Florida is overrated. They're bad. They're terrible. And so let's get into the Florida Gators, who I truly believe are the most disappointing team in college basketball. Now, part of it is, I do think some of it is on us in the media. I include myself. I had Florida, I think, in my top 10 just because I looked at their roster on paper in the preseason. I said, they do got a lot of dudes. But as I've told you on this show before, I do think part of it is very simply that we overrated their guys. If you looked at Andrew Nemhard, their starting point guard, if you actually looked at his stats from last season, um, he wasn't very good. He only averaged eight points per game last season, but he had a couple big games late in the, in the season. He had a couple big games when it mattered in the SEC tournament, in the NCAA tournament, and when he decided to come back. And by the way, he didn't really decide to come back. Uh, nobody was going to draft him if he stayed in the NBA draft. I think all of us thought he was going to make this massive big step when in reality he really wasn't that good last year and used a couple big games late to prop up kind of his entire season when he only averaged eight points per game. Kerry Blackshear, I think he's a very good college player. I think he should be the second or third best player on your team, not the go-to player that you play through. Guys, I've said it a million times. I will continue to say it. I will say it this offseason. When we spend way too much time breaking down grad transfers, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud so we can all hear. Grad transfers are only in college because they're not good enough for the NBA. If you're good enough after four years of college to be in the NBA, you will be in the NBA. Therefore, if you're taking a grad transfer to do anything other than then play a role, hopefully provide leadership in the locker room, it is not going to work out. You are not going to find an All-American on the grad transfer market. If that player was that good, they would be in the NBA. It happened with Reed Travis. It happened this year with Kerry Blackshear. Again, use grad transfers to fill holes. Nate Sestina, nice pick and pop four. You don't want to rely on him to average 19 a game. Jimmy Witt at Arkansas, nice player, averaging double figures. You don't want to rely on him to average 19 points per game. I could go on and on and on, but I won't. Not a criticism of Kerry Blackshear, a reality that he tested the NBA draft waters. If he was good enough to play in the NBA, he would be there right now. The freshman. I don't know if I've used this analogy before, but I will tell you this. They have two McDonald's All-Americans on their roster, Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann. This is the analogy that I was once told by a high major division one coach who recruited elite, elite, elite players. It wasn't in Kentucky. It was at another major program that recruits McDonald's All-American type players. He said, Aaron, you got to remember, even at the level of a McDonald's All-American, there are different tiers of McDonald's All-Americans. And the analogy that he used was, even when you go to McDonald's, you can buy a Big Mac, but you can also buy a dollar cheeseburger. And the analogy means that Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Anthony Davis, Vernon Carey, 
Marvin Bagley, those guys are the Big Macs. Then you got guys that are just a dollar cheeseburger. And Florida has a couple McDonald's All-Americans that are good, but we're never going to be difference makers. Scotty Lewis is a defense energy guy. He was never going to get you 20 a game. Uh, Trey Mann, very much the same. And so you now have the situation that Florida's in. You have a bunch of players that probably weren't as good as we made them out to be, and the Gators are really struggling. But again, that's only part of it because I still think that point blank, they are more talented than just about anybody in the SEC except for Kentucky, except for maybe LSU, except for maybe Alabama, who I actually really like their talent. You look at Florida's talent, it's not it's the second or third best team in the SEC. And so what does that mean? That means it falls on Mike White. Shaka Smart of the Deep South. And this is the thing about me, guys. You know that I will not be afraid to criticize a coach, and I feel like Mike White deserves to be criticized. He was a guy that when he was hired at Florida, let's never forget, he had been a head coach at Louisiana Tech for two seasons. Four seasons, excuse me. Four seasons. I thought it was two for some reason. He had been a head coach at Louisiana Tech for four seasons, had never made an NCAA tournament. Not a criticism, just a reality. He gets to Florida. He inherits talent from Billy Donovan. Never forget that the year, a couple years before Billy Donovan left, they were the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Gets there, has an up and down first year. They missed the NCAA tournament. Second year was the year that Mike White popped, again, with a lot of Billy Donovan's players. They go 27-9. and They go to an Elite Eight. And we think, oh my goodness, Florida struck gold again. They got the next Billy Donovan. They're amazing. And then we've seen what happened since. They went 21-13 and in the 2017-2018 season. Last year, despite starting the preseason ranked, they finished 20-16. and Had some bad losses along the way. Never really got going until late. And now this year, they're 12-8. and And this falls on Mike White, and it falls on the fact that, again, he just frankly isn't as good as we thought he was going to be. Now, to Florida's short-term credit, I do think they kind of have a nice schedule where things are set up for them to make a run. If you look at their schedule, here are their next five games following that Mississippi State loss. At Vandy, Georgia, and we're going to get into Georgia in a minute, at Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, and Vandy again. So between February 1st and February 15th, they have five games that they should win. My issue is, I don't think they're going to win all of them because Mike White is the shock smart of the Deep South. I don't trust him to have his team ready in all those games. When they do have to go to Texas A&M, which plays hard and is well-coached under Buzz Williams. When they have to go to Ole Miss, which plays hard and is coached well under Kermit Davis, even if they aren't talented. And so... I don't think that they're going to go on the run that they need to go on. And even if they do, the back half of the schedule is brutal. They still have to play Kentucky twice. They still have to play LSU. They still have to play Arkansas. And they still have to play at Tennessee. And so I look at that schedule. And they're sitting at 12-8 and right now. And I still see at least five losses on that schedule. Plus another one in the SEC, in the SEC tournament. And so I'm starting to look at Mike White right now, and I'm saying, I think they might miss the NCAA tournament. And even and even if they make the NCAA tournament, because for some reason the bracketologists love them for reasons I don't totally understand. They have one good win against Auburn, a couple lousy wins against Xavier and Providence, who aren't even projected to be tournament teams. Those are their best wins out of conference. Even if they win the games necessary... They're going to end up as a 10 seed or an 11 seed or in a play-in game, and I just don't see the scenario where they make a deep run. Then, after this season, guess what? Kerry Blackshear leaves. Andrew Nemhard is almost certainly going to leave. I think Scotty Lewis will at least declare to see if he can get drafted. If not, he comes back. But I don't think this gets solved either this season or next. And so I think we have to deal with the very real reality that Mike White just isn't a good coach. And by the way, I will say this for Florida fans. Shout out to Florida fans. There are times when I myself am critical of a coach on social media. 
that fan base will come to the defense of that coach. And Florida fans were just, they loved me because I'm the only one criticizing him right now. And they said, like, this guy isn't good. This guy has cost us games. This guy does not get the most out of his talent. And, and so I'm so fascinated to see what happens next with this program. Not because Mike White's going to get fired. Listen, if he makes the tournament this year, that would be um, that would be four NCAA tournaments in the last five uh, in five seasons at the school. Nobody's saying he's going to get fired, but I think we have to stop with this that he's the next big thing in coaching, or that he's this great this, or that he's this great that. No, he's below average. His talent is above average. He's not developing players. He's not getting the most out of players, and he is not getting the wins that he needs to get. By the way, you know what the most disappointing thing about all this? There's a couple teams that could really use Kerry Blackshear. I think that if Kerry Blackshear was on Arkansas, Arkansas would probably be right up there with Kentucky and LSU at the top of the SEC standings. One thing they're missing is a guy that does exactly what Kerry Blackshear does, which is rebound, crash the boards. Uh, he can stretch the floor too, but he what he does best is in the paint. Kentucky, obviously, the one spot that they haven't figured out yet is the four. I'm sure they would love to have him. But man, I just don't think Florida is very good. And I don't see the scenario where it gets any better. All right, really quick, I do want to transition to, yo, shout out, another bad coach in the SEC, and that's your boy Tom Crean. All right, so Tom Crean, this is kind of incredible. I mentioned that Florida blew a 16-point second-half lead against Mississippi State on Tuesday. How about Tom Crean one-upping your boy Mike White? 20-point blown lead in the second half. Georgia loses to Missouri. At least they were on the road. They are now 11-9 and and 1-6 overall. And I want to give a quick shout-out to Georgia. They're not my shout-out of the day. Shout-out of the day is later. It's a good one, too. But shout-out to Georgia. Because the bottom line with Georgia is this. Is that Georgia, guess what? You got what you paid for. You got what you wanted. When the Georgia coaching job opened two years ago and Mark Fox was fired, they had a chance to change their program forever. And instead of going out and getting the best coach they possibly could, they instead decided to go get the guy that was going to win the press conference. And it never works. And it never happens. And it never is the answer. The answer is never to go get the guy that is going to be popular on message boards, the guy that's going to be popular um, on social media, the guy, frankly, that a lot of times that the media is pushing for, which we're going to get into in a minute. The bottom line is go get the best coach, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, it's not that hard. I don't know that I'm just trying to think of an example off the top of my head. But it's not about winning the press conference. And if you go back to that coaching search, all Georgia was trying to do was they were looking around the rest of the SEC. They saw Tennessee was coming off an SEC championship with Rick Barnes and Bruce Pearl had things rolling. Ben Howland's at Mississippi State. They felt like, well, we got to get one of those big names. So they went out. They got Tom Crean, who made a Final Four a million years ago when he just so happened to have a future Hall of Famer on his roster. He had coached a big brand named Indiana. And they thought they were getting a guy that was going to turn this program around. Instead, they got a guy who Indiana fans will tell you, just like Florida fans. I just mentioned, shout out to Florida fans. They don't hide who Mike White is and what he what his limitations are. And it's the same with Indiana fans. Indiana fans could have told you Tom Crean isn't very good. Instead, Georgia wanted to win the press conference. They didn't want to go out and get the best coach. And now here we are, and they are 11-9 and overall. And I know that some people are going to sit there and say, well, they're really young, and how much, I mean, I know they have Anthony, Anthony Edwards, but how much talent do they really have? Here's what you need to know about Georgia. I guarantee at some point, if he hasn't already, Tom Crean will use the excuse that they are the youngest team in college basketball or one of the youngest teams, and, uh, you know, it takes time, and, you know, the, it's, it's, just, it's just part of the process. Well, guess what? Here's what their roster has four top 100 recruits in high school basketball last year. They have a couple veterans that are back off last year's team. Rayshon Hammonds, um, a couple of these guys that have SEC experience. So don't tell me that you don't have anybody, that you don't have talent, because I got to ask this. Who has more talent right now, Tom Crean at Georgia or Buzz Williams at Texas A&M? I think it's not even a debate 
that Tom Crean has more talent. I didn't even mention that one of those top 100 picks is Anthony Edwards, the number one high school player in the country, potential number one pick in the draft. So who has more talent, Tom Crean or Buzz Williams? So I'm pretty sure it's Tom Crean. Tom Crean's 11-9, 1-6 in the SEC. Buzz Williams, 10-9, 4-3 in the SEC, just won it at Tennessee. By the way, speaking of Tennessee, I think when you factor in all the guys that they lost from last year and the injuries, I think you can make the case Tom Crean has a better roster right now than Tennessee does. Tennessee also 4-3. I think Rick Barnes is doing a great job with that team. I just don't think they're very talented right now. But this is who Tom Crean is. This is who Tom Crean has always been. And this is who you were getting Georgia when you hired him. And it goes back to the Indiana days. There was no one that critically watched Indiana. I'm not talking about the casual fan that's going to throw out, oh, he won two Big Ten championships and he made a couple Sweet 16s. There is no, or a media member who's, who's Tom Crean's buddy who's trying to get him a job, okay? People that, in, that critically watched Indiana will tell you this was a guy that, yes, in Tom Crean's defense, he did inherit a tough situation. Nobody is arguing that. For people who don't remember, it was coming off the Kelvin Sampson uh, too many phone calls uh, investigation, which is kind of ironic because uh, who even makes phone calls in 2020, yet that was what Kelvin Sampson got in trouble for. But while Tom Crean did inherit a bad situation, by year four he had him competitive again. And that is when he had one of his few good seasons. And then, almost immediately, once he lost Victor Oladipo and once he lost Cody Zeller, they went back in the tank. And so somebody will tell you, somebody will tell you, yeah, well, he won two, two Big Ten championships. He did his best. He did good at Indiana. No, he didn't. Don't let the two Big Ten championships fool you because here were Tom Crean's last four years at Indiana. 17 and 15 20 and 14, 27 and 8, which is the year they won the Big Ten with Yogi Farrell, and 18 and 16. And you know what that tells me about Tom Crean? One, he built Indiana to a certain level and he couldn't maintain it. Two, and this is equally important, is that there were ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. And so everybody wants to point to the two years that he won the Big Ten championship. What nobody wants to point to is that immediately after he won the Big Ten Championship, he finished 8th one year and 10th the other year. And again, that's not sustainable. That's not what a good program does. Indiana, if Indiana is rolling the way Indiana should, should never finish 10th in the Big Ten, yet that's where Tom Crean finished in his last year, and he missed the NCAA tournament two out of his final four years. And so this is who Tom Crean was a below-average coach that when everything goes right, when he has the perfect set of players, veterans, experience, everything works out. And when he doesn't, things fall apart and the excuses come. Do you remember last year? I know I remember talking about it with Nick Coffey on this show. You remember last year when Tom Crean basically said at a press conference? You can look this up. He basically said at a press conference, well, it's not really my fault. You know, I didn't really inherit much and my guys are trying hard, but there's only so much I can do. That's who Tom Crean is. That's the guy that's making excuses. Now that they're 1-6 in the SEC, he's going to tell you we're too young or we don't have this or we don't need this or we need that. Or... No, this is who he is. And this is who Georgia paid for. And by the way, I will blame many in the media because I was talking about this the other day. I have never seen a media push for a coach like Tom Crean at Georgia. If you remember, he was fired by Indiana and then he sat out for one year and worked at ESPN. And during that time, he must, have, he must have been the best employee ever because he made – because when, when jobs started to open that spring, I will never forget. I have never seen a media push for – I mean, you had people like – like I vividly remember Dick Vitale. You would think that Tom Crean had won multiple national championships the way he talked. Oh, you got to hire him. He's the best guy. I actually found the tweet from that offseason. I sent this out on March 11th. This is what I said on March 11th of 2018. I said, I'll tell you what, the best job Tom Crean has ever done is getting every single ESPN personality to sing his praises. Listen to these broadcasters gush about him during these games. You think he's the only candidate worth hiring in this coaching cycle. But it, was, it, it shows that this whole 
everything about Georgia and Tom Crean was built on a bogus foundation. He was never that good at Indiana. He was never going to be the right fit at Georgia. He was always being uh, he was always getting hired based on being a big name who had made a Final Four a million years ago rather than going out and getting the best coach. Georgia is getting what they're paying for. They're 11 and 9. They are 1-6 in the SEC. They are going to miss the NCAA tournament. They are going to lose Anthony Edwards, and they are going to remain irrelevant. And it's again because they wanted the big name. They wanted to win the press conference. Shout out to Tom Crean. All right, really quick, last kind of topic that I did want to hit from the world of college basketball is really just um, the idea of a mid-year transfer, and I think it's a good way to kind of get the Khalil Whitney news in from last week. I missed that. You know, I didn't talk about it. It came after my Thursday show. And then, of course, Monday's show was so different than anything uh, that I would normally do that I didn't touch on it. So I do want to talk to Khalil Whitney News. And then I think within the framework of that, um, I want to talk about kind of the idea of leaving your team in the last week of January, the first week of February, because there's a kid named Kobe King, who was Wisconsin's second leading scorer, who left his team. It became a big talking point, so I do want to talk about that. Starting with Khalil Whitney, um, I did do immediate reaction on the Aaron Torres podcast Instagram page. So if you if you're not following, you should be Aaron underscore Torres underscore Sports underscore Podcast. But when I, I I did the immediate reaction, what I can tell you is this: is that first of all, this had been brewing for a few weeks. I just mentioned Tom Crean, ironically. Um, the first that I heard about Khalil Whitney potentially wanting to transfer dates back to the first Kentucky-Georgia game. By the way, for anybody who's not a Kentucky fan who doesn't know, uh, Khalil Whitney was a freshman at Kentucky, McDonald's All-American, who decided to transfer last week. Um, and so with Khalil Whitney, I had heard dating all the way back to the first Georgia game, which was way back on January 7th that Khalil Whitney was seriously considering leaving the program. Um, And at that time, very similar to now, I don't think anybody really knew if that meant, is he going to try to latch on professionally somewhere? Is he actually going to transfer? Whatever. I was told, and John Calipari basically confirmed after the Texas Tech game, that um, you know, he, he had been kind of exploring this for weeks. And w- what I was told is that basically Calipari said, listen, give me some time. We're going to work you in. Be patient. Trust the process. And Khalil Whitney, to his credit, did that. Um, but it continued. Um, it continued, and he wasn't able to get on the court. And guess what? He ended up transferring this past week or announcing that he was leaving the University of Kentucky this past week. Um, kind of kind of a couple thoughts on this. Kind of in, the, in, in uh, one vein, I will say this. Khalil Whitney... I don't want to say he wasn't willing to put in the work, but I do think, I, I think if, if there's one way I can put it, I think Khalil Whitney came to Kentucky with the wrong attitude. Part of it, by the way, is about the adults around him, which I will get into in a minute. Um, but if Khalil Whitney made one mistake throughout this whole process, it was coming to Kentucky in the first place. Because I think whether it was in his mind or or planted in his mind by the people around him, um, I think he thought like everything's going to revolve around me and like, I'm going to be the star and I've been the star my whole life. And I even heard stories of, you know, in practice early on, uh, something to the effect of, uh, you know, he told one of the guards, Hey, your job is to get me the ball. And one of the guards was like, uh, no, it isn't. We're all McDonald's all Americans here. We're all trying to go to the NBA here. And my job is to do what I do, help this team win games. And so it's not to say that Khalil Whitney was a bad kid or he wasn't about winning, but I do think that he was a kid that probably should have never come to Kentucky in the first place, right? John Calipari always says, you want to take 20, 25 shots, this isn't the place for you. And so I do think that Khalil Whitney um, probably thought that he was it was going to be a little bit easier, that he wasn't going to have to work hard or he wasn't going to have to work as hard as he could, as, as he would to see the court. Um, and that was never the case. And, and I'll give John Calipari credit for this. And by the way, John Calipari is not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Um, but, you know, John Calipari gave him every chance he could to get Khalil Whitney into the game, and he just didn't perform. And the big thing to remember is that this isn't middle school. Everybody doesn't get a trophy. John Calipari has paid a lot of money 
to win games. He has paid a lot of money to put the best players on the court, and Khalil Whitney wasn't one of those guys. And to further the point, and something John Calipari said, Khalil Whitney never bought into the idea of being a role player, of being a defensive shutdown guy, and that's a shame because if Khalil Whitney does want to play in the NBA, that's going to be his role. As of right now, he has no offensive skill, he has no NBA abilities other than sheer athleticism, and don't know, but there's a lot of guys that have a 40-inch vertical leap in the NBA, and he is going to have to develop some of those skills, and he's also very likely going to be a role player when he gets to the NBA. So, what better place to learn to be a role player than being at Kentucky? Not to mention, there's also a couple very good examples on Kentucky's roster right now, Nick Richards. Emmanuel quickly, Ashton Hagens, if you're patient and you stay the course, good things will happen. Instead, he decides to leave. And again, I do think part of it was some of the people around him were putting pressure on him or telling him, you're falling down mock drafts and you're not going to get drafted and it's all Kentucky's fault and they're screwing you. And it's like, no, he just really wasn't good enough to play. Um, in terms of the next step, it's kind of crazy because I've actually heard both things uh, early on the day of, I heard that he was definitely going to transfer, that he was definitely going to continue to play college basketball, um, and that uh, a couple schools were obvious. Illinois was one. I had heard DePaul, but I think DePaul is actually filled on scholarships, and there's some some kind of politics with his AAU program and DePaul, and they don't have a great relationship. So if, if he does stay in college, um, I would think that Illinois would be the front runner, but I think the other thing you have to remember about Illinois, Illinois, of course, has an assistant coach named Orlando Antigua, and Orlando Antigua is going to get the lowdown truth on Khalil Whitney from John Calipari, and I don't know if Illinois, which is having a lot of success this year, if Khalil Whitney, if he doesn't get a good um, kind of scouting report from John Calipari, maybe there's the possibility that Illinois is out of the equation, although I still think they're in. I had also heard that Khalil Whitney is very seriously going to try to pursue professional options. And of course, the question becomes, um, if you can't get on the court at Kentucky and you've really shown nothing on film, who's going to draft you? And so I think that's kind of the interesting next step for Kentucky or for Khalil Whitney is what does he do? Uh, I saw Evan Daniels kind of put out a little mini report on Twitter that basically said that he's looking at all options. What that read to me was very simply that um, I think he wants to go pro. I think he's probably got some kind of agent kind of that he's consulting with trying to see if somebody will give him a guarantee, some sort of contract, even if he doesn't get drafted. And if he does, I think he'll pursue that option. And if not, you know, he'll probably end up transferring. It's obviously a disappointing deal. One, because of the fact that exactly what I said is that there are good examples on Kentucky's roster about being patient, about staying the course, and he chose not to follow those examples. Um, and two, I really think if anything, even if he wants to go pro, all he's done is hurt his stock. I think the worst part, it was so funny. I was talking to somebody about this today. Not today, but 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 recently is that if Khalil Whitney had just played the course of the season, had just played it out, and even if he hadn't gotten on the court, he could have declared for the draft, and somebody would have probably drafted him on upside. And you know what? Guess what? John Calipari would have gone to bat for him. Because the one thing you could say about John Calipari, he is insanely loyal to his kids, right? Think about it. He got Scalabissier drafted in the first round. Keldon Johnson looked like he was falling out of the first round last year. He ends up in the first round. Other guys that you wouldn't have thought got drafted ended up getting drafted. I'm not saying John Calipari had everything to do with all of them, but he will always go to bat for his kids. Well, now if you're Khalil Whitney and you do want to go pro, think about it. Think about what Khalil Whitney's resume is right now. Couldn't get on the court at Kentucky. When he did get on, showed literally no NBA skills, not even defensively, where he's going to have to make his hay as a professional. Quit on his team in the middle of the season. And he doesn't have John Calipari going to bat for him. Because if he goes pro, John Calipari's not going to sing his praises. John Calipari's not going to crush the kid. But he's but he's not going to hype his kid up because he's going to be like, look, the dude quit on me. I, I, I want to help him, but I can't really say anything. So I think Khalil Whitney played this as bad as you possibly can. Um, and I would just say this. In terms of kids transferring in the middle of the season, 
every kid's different, right? But I do think kind of with Khalil Whitney, the second semester started, which means that he basically transferred at the worst possible time. And then, like I said, there was a kid from Wisconsin named Kobe King that transferred on Wednesday, uh, January 29th. Another kid that's going to have to sit out a full year. You know, it's a trend I don't really like, right? It's one thing if you're if you're not playing at all, middle of the year, you just want to go on and do something else. I get it. I don't like it. I don't like quitting on your team in the middle of the year. But even if you do, there is a time and place to do it. That time and place is usually over the Christmas holiday. There are fewer games. You can transfer between semesters. You got plenty of time to make your decision. Your your team kind of has time to kind of uh, you know figure things out without you, and everybody moves on. In a perfect world, you don't quit on your team, period. You play till the end of the season, and then if things aren't working out, you leave. What I don't like, though, is these decisions once the second semester started, once you're in the heart of league play, you're playing two games a week, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you decide this isn't working out for you. And this goes to the Kobe King thing at Wisconsin, too, and it's funny because I, you know, you see on social media two different sides. Like I saw Andy Katz came out very against Kobe King's decision. I lean towards him, and I've seen other people like, well, you know, and, I, and I've seen multiple people. This isn't picking on one person in specific. Well, you know, uh, coaches quit on their players all the time, so it's like whatever. It's like, first of all, Yes, coaches leave for other jobs. I don't ever remember, really, any coach quitting on the team in the middle of the season. Now, like Steve Spurrier did it, but he retired. Bo Ryan did it, but they retired. They're in their 70s. It does feel a little bit different. Coaches aren't quitting on their team in the middle of the season. And I just think, and this is maybe me being old-fashioned, I just think that part of this is you don't quit on your guys. And this is the part that bothers me. And it's ironic because Jalen Smith, who got hurt in a bowl game, a meaningless bowl game, is going to talk about this in about five minutes. Jalen Smith said to me, he said, dude, I just couldn't, I would play that game again because I couldn't imagine not being out there with my guys. And I'm not saying every team is kumbaya and it's the greatest thing in the world and everybody loves everybody, but it feels weird to me. You're middle of conference play. We're now three or four weeks into conference play. You got games every day and you're just going to walk out on your guys. Like to me, that's just not the way I was raised. And I I was raised in a different era. I'm in my mid thirties. It's different. But there were times when I played sports where I didn't get along with the coach, where I wasn't playing, where I knew I should be playing. And my parents never let me quit. If you start something, you finish it. You don't want to play next year. That's different. But you start the season, you got to finish it. And I did, and I did. And so I do have a problem with it. I don't like it. I understand this is the new world, but let's stop saying, oh, coaches quit on their team. No, they don't. Sometimes they leave for other jobs. That's not the same as leaving two weeks in the The next time a coach decides on January 29th to leave his team in the harder conference play, okay, we can have the conversation. I don't like it. I didn't like it with Khalil Whitney. I don't like it with Kobe King, the kid from Wisconsin. And that's that. All right. I already went way longer than I thought I was going to, but that's cool. What we're going to do now is very quickly this. I'm going to transition to Jalen Smith, and then I will wrap the show, maybe give you my quick Super Bowl prediction, shout out of the day. But I've talked enough. It is now time to get to the interview I mentioned. As I mentioned, Jalen Smith in Miami for the Super Bowl. They put him on the phone with me. It was a great interview. We talk about his time at Notre Dame, his decision to play in a bowl game where he got hurt, why he doesn't regret that, and of course, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, all that stuff. So that is coming up. Stick around until after the interview, but I do want to wrap right now. I've talked enough, and it's time to get to Jalen Smith. All right, and joining me on the phone now, very special guest. He is here on behalf of the DirecTV NFL Sunday Ticket Lounge, which if you're in Miami, show up anytime between now and Saturday. Some of the biggest NFL stars will be there hanging out, meet and greets, autograph signings, whatever, including this gentleman right here, pro bowler, Dallas Cowboys, former Notre Dame star, Jalen Smith is on the phone. My man, what's going on? Oh man, I'm I'm doing fantastic out here in, in, in Miami. This weather is amazing. I'm from Indiana, so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm super happy right now. <laughs> I was gonna ask. So you are at the Directv uh, NFL Sunday Ticket Lounge. You are in Miami. I'm jealous. I'm I'm here in LA, so things aren't terrible. But 
Uh, for people that are in Miami, for people that want to come check it out, or even for people who aren't, first of all, how is Miami? And second of all, uh, tell people real quick about the NFL Sunday Ticket Lounge. Man, the the the, the DirecTV NFL Sunday Ticket Lounge is amazing. I got my feet up wow. right now. I'm enjoying the aesthetic colors and styles and just everything that's going on here. It's just it's amazing. We got game systems. We got just everything for every age. I'm 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 fantastic, man. I'm I'm blessed to be out here. Um, it, for Super Bowl weekend, man. It's we're in Miami. Yeah. No, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, and I want to ask you, because you mentioned you're from Miami, and I hate to say it, you've had an incredible career with the Dallas Cowboys these last four or five years. I, when I think about you, part of me um, does go back to your Notre Dame days. And I, I know it's not necessarily something you want to relive, but but obviously the way things ended at Notre Dame. Um, first of all, I, I just want to say it's an incredible testament to how hard you've worked did, did, what, what, when you think back to that final game at Notre Dame and people all remember what happened, uh, what goes through your mind, especially considering how far you've come since then? Um, what, what goes through my mind is um, it was the start of another journey. Um, you know, for me, I'd never been injured before. So uh, to be able to, uh, to, to, to grapple with that and uh, to overcome that fear um, it's really, it's really helped me become the man that I am today. Um, but honestly, I've just focused on improving each season, um, both on the field and off the field. Been able to grow so much. Um, just finished my fourth year in the league, so I'm, I'm, I'm just really thankful, um, you know, for this opportunity to be able to do what I love. It's really interesting because this kind of trend these last couple of years of really high caliber players, um, you know, deciding not to play in bowl games kind of stems in large part from what happened to you. Have you noticed that trend? Do you have any opinion on it? Do you care? Do you not care? I mean, obviously everything's worked out great for you because of that hard work, but obviously it's something that was kind of a byproduct of it. You know what I mean? Um, honestly, um, you know, it wasn't okay for, 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 for people to sit out, for, for players to, to, to sit out yeah. prior to my injury. Sure. Um, you can kind of call it the Jalen Smith rule now. Um, you know, obviously I was going to be a top five pick, um, you know, prior to the, to my severe injury and things of that nature. But what I love the most about it is now people really have the choice, um, you know, to make a decision on what's best for them. For me, um, you know, the best decision for me was to, was, was to play. Mm. Um, that's just, but that has to do with, you know, my, who I am as a man and, and, and my character and my values of wanting to go out the right way with my brothers, understanding that injury was a threat. But, um, nevertheless, just wanted, wanted to go out there and support. So it's, I was able to make my decision. If I had to make a decision, I would do the same thing. Um, but, you know, there, there there are players who, you know, have put the business, the, you know, the business hat on and, um, you know, not wanting to take the risk. Um, and, and that's really what I love about it is I've kind of been that, that, that beacon or I guess, um, set the platform for, for, for people and, and for, and for my peers and, and the young guys coming out to be able to, um, you know, make that decision on whether they want to play or they don't want to play. So, uh, the freedom of choice is, is wonderful. No, I, I totally agree 100%, and I think every kid's got to make the decision best for them. Last Notre Dame question, because I've always wanted to ask a guy of your stature about this, is some people in the media, not me, I'm a Notre Dame guy. You know, I was I went to UConn and I was there when Brian Kelly was at Cincinnati. I know kind of the impact. Oh, right now. Yeah, yeah. So listen, I saw right up on. close. Yeah, we we good. We good. Dude, yeah. I was gonna say I seen this guy up close and in person come into my house when UConn was actually pretty good at football. It's it's been a long time since then, but um and just go up and down the field, up and down the field, up and down the field. Does it bother you? Because I look at Notre Dame, 10 wins each of the last three seasons, four of the last five years, uh, uh, dating back to when you were actually there. Does it bother you when these people say, oh, you know, Notre Dame's this, or they can't do that, or they can't compete with this school? What do you think when you kind of hear that kind of stuff? I mean, it's really blasphemy. I know we you know, we haven't won a national title since, since, since 1988, and um, we're, we are the prestigious Notre Dame, so um, you know with that comes come comes the expectations, man. You got to be able to 
accept that and understand that at the end of the day, you have to win. Yeah. Um, it, but we've won um, national championship game in, in, in 2012 appearance. We, we lost, but we had an undefeated season. We had an undefeated season a couple of years ago as well, making the, you know, the college football playoffs. And, and you mentioned when I was there, you know, the Fiesta Bowls and, and all of these big games. So we're, we're, we're right there. It's just about getting over that hump and, you know, you got these Clemson and these Alabamas and these LSUs and, um, you know, at Notre Dame, we got to get over that hump. And, and, and that's something that we're striving to do. Um, it's been since 1988 since we won um, a championship. We have 11 of them. And um, it's, we, we got to get to that point where we can, we can, we can host 12. But um, I can say that, you know, you, you – you can sleep on Notre Dame or, you know, we're, um, you know, we're cowards or anything of that nature. You, you got to put some respect on our name for sure. I agree a hundred percent. Do you think it's going to happen here soon? Do you think in the next 10 years or in, in our lifetimes, I mean, it's been about 30 years now, but do you think it's going to happen here soon? Notre Dame winning a national championship? I would definitely see it before I die. So I, I, I ain't even worried. <laughs> Notre Dame will win another national championship. I love it. All right, fantastic. A couple more questions. You're on a limited amount of time here. Uh, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, obviously the big story is the new head coach Mike McCarthy. Uh, have you gotten a chance to meet him? Are you intrigued by what he's going to bring? I mean, what are you excited about, kind of, with the new regime in Dallas? I'm a fan of the game, so I I know all about uh, McCarthy and um. Know, know what he brings to the table, and I'm I'm just excited to to, to be in the, that that locker room with him and that facility with him to to really be able to learn from from a guy who's won. Um, uh, I left a message. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to, to hear back from him. But he's a he's a busy guy. He's got a lot of things going on there. Um, you know, we're still getting the staff, um, still getting all the staff and everything situated. And, uh, and 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 really looking forward to this year. You're a Pro Bowler. What do you mean he hasn't called you back? Listen, I'm gonna have to get on the phone with somebody and set that straight. Uh, how much? How much? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I think that's insane. It's all love, baby. It's all love. I was gonna Where's say, the love? I was gonna say uh, it sounds crazy, Jalen. I've never been an NFL head coach. I don't know what goes into that, but uh, I would think that I would want to call my Pro Bowl linebacker. Real quick, last couple questions. How much did it mean to you this year? We talked at the beginning about where things started to where you are now as a pro bowler. You signed that long-term extension, obviously, last offseason. Was it extra special walking on that field on Sunday? Yeah, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, you you dream about, uh, you know, playing at the highest level and, you know, get, make, getting to your second contract, your big contract making the Pro Bowl and things of that nature. I've, over these last couple of years, I've achieved uh, a lot of success. and uh, You just got to be able to rejoice and, and thank the, the ones that have, that have believed in you throughout the process because that's how it, it was able to happen. You know, when I play, I, whenever I play, I focus on, um, you know, proving the people that believe in me right. Uh, I don't worry about the, the naysayers or the... Um, the ones that want to critique. I focus on the, on the people that believe in me. Next step, by the way, I should mention you are here on behalf of the DirecTV NFL Sunday Ticket Lounge. People can go all day. Uh, it is the last question. Just expectations with these Cowboys. you got so many young pieces. How excited are you to continue with these guys? Man, there's so much energy going into 2020. Uh, it's the year of the clear eye view. And, and for me, um, just attacking it strongly. Um, it, it, on, on the on the football field, you know the organization I play for, um, America's team, just new staff, uh, players excited. We want to win. Haven't once, uh, once since you know since I was born, honestly, '95 uh, and things of that nature. So it's 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 time to get back to it. Jerry wants to win the. Uh, a Super Bowl, and and, and we want to we want to get ourselves one. We want to get him one. Uh, but it's just you got to take it day by day. So so for me, I'm I'm all in. I'm locked in, ready to go. 
All right, fantastic. Pro Bowler Jalen Smith on behalf of NFL DirecTV Sunday Ticket Lounge in Miami. If you're there, go hang with him. Go hang with a bunch of other guys. Uh, Jalen, genuinely, genuinely appreciate the time, my man. You're the man. I appreciate you, and hopefully we speak soon. Listen, the, the, come to this lounge. <laughs> the food is amazing. Jalen's got his Thanks, feet up, bro. so it can't be too bad. So, All right, thank you. All right, so I do want to thank Jalen Smith. Uh, I think that was awesome, man. I thought, for considering we only had 10 minutes, I thought that was an incredibly insightful interview. I appreciate him making some time. I had a lot of fun, and I will tell you this. Um, there may be some more interviews coming from the Super Bowl for Monday's episode of the show. I can't promise it. I'm working on a couple interviews. They would be good. They would be big time. They would be bad. You know what? In a good way. So stay tuned. Uh, Sunday show, I should mention, I will probably tape early Sunday so I can actually watch the Super Bowl. And then again, Sunday show into Monday will be awesome. Wednesday show into Thursday of next week will again be the Narcos, Stephen Murphy, Javier Pena episode uh, going forward. So I hope all that makes sense really quickly. I mean, I got to give a Super Bowl prediction, right? Uh, I don't know where you guys stand on this. Listen, I want Kansas City. I think Andy Reid winning a Super Bowl would be awesome. I think it'd be great. He has been through so much personally. Patrick Mahomes is the most likable athlete in sports. I can't lie, though. I'm going. I'm leaning 49ers, and I don't want him to win, but I think the reality of the matter is this. is Defensive line play rules every level of football. Why do, does the SEC continue to win national championships? This year was because of Joe Burrow, but most years it's because they dominate the trenches. They have the best defensive linemen in the country. The San Francisco 49ers defense and the defensive front specifically is phenomenal. They dominated Green Bay 24-0 or what was it, 27-0 at halftime. And I just don't see the scenario where Kansas City, who actually struggled early against... Um, against the Tennessee Titans to move the ball. I don't see the scenario where Casey wins the line of scrimmage. And if they can't win the line of scrimmage, it means Patrick Mahomes is running for his life. I still think he'll make plays because he's awesome because he's the best player in football. I do have the 49ers. I believe I just said the final score, 31-28. So that is what I will stick to. I will take the 49ers. All right. I think that's it. Do want to give the quick shout-out of the day. The quick shout-out of the day. Quick shout-out of the day goes to your boy, Jaquan Lyle. Do any of you remember Jaquan Lyle? So first of all, Jaquan Lyle first burst onto the college basketball scene because he was one of the recruits at Louisville during the stripper scandal. He was one of the recruits that got whatever. I don't know. You can look in the NCAA, NCAA uh, report of that. But he was one of the recruits at Louisville that was involved in the stripper scandal, ends up going to Ohio State, gets thrown out of Ohio State, and he goes to New Mexico. He's a fifth-year senior right now, which seems insane because it feels like he's been in the college basketball lexicon forever. Um, and he was actually playing pretty well at New Mexico. Now, New Mexico is kind of the Wild Wild West program of college basketball right now. They had uh, Carlton Bragg, who originally started at Kansas. He got thrown off for a DUI the other day. They got another kid under investigation for domestic, uh, domestic assault. And Jaquan Lyle, check this out. Jaquan Lyle has claimed that he's hurt, even though, by the way, I should mention, at least statistically, Jaquan Lyle's been pretty good. He's averaging 17 points a game and five assists at New Mexico, but he missed the last two games coming into Wednesday with injury, okay? So when you miss games with injury, what do you want to do? You want to stay low-key. You want to stay off the radar, right? What happens with Jaquan Lyle? Oh, he doesn't stay off the radar. Mr. Stripper Party has his own party, and on Saturday night, while New Mexico had a game, he did not travel with them. Jaquan Lyle rented an Airbnb, had a party, and somebody got shot at his party. Thankfully, they're okay, so I can make light of this serious situation. But Jaquan Lyle, who claimed he was hurt, didn't travel with New Mexico, decided instead of traveling with his team to have a party, and somebody got shot at the party. I just, I, I, I think you should just, if, if you're not going to play, stay low-key. Sit at the end of the bench. If you're not traveling with the team, Stay out of trouble. Instead, Jaquan Lyle does the opposite, has a party, somebody gets shot. Now he's suspended for two games for conduct detrimental to the team. Conduct, conduct detrimental to the team? How about conduct detrimental to society? Don't be having people with guns over at your party. 
Uh, Jaquan Lyle, uh, you know, he is going to wrap here in a few days one of the most wild college uh, college basketball experiences ever. But when I saw that story, I don't want to make light of a serious situation, but I did think it was kind of funny. Like, come on, dude. You're suspended. You're, you're not playing. You claim you're hurt. Now you're having a party. People are showing up. So Jaquan Lyle. All right, that's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Uh, great show today. Thank you again to Jalen Smith. And I will be back Sunday. I think I may have another pretty big guest who will be pretty awesome if I can actually land him. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I want to remind you, please subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Do it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can get the show. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Uh, make sure you're following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. And finally, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today. Shout out to my boy Torrent Craig. Shout out to Jaquan Lyle. Busy week for him. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. I'm sorry for that long 45-minute episode. We will be back on Monday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.